Hi everyone, it's Dr. Denise. This is the Creative Mind series, and I'm really excited about our guest today. I'm going to give you a little hint. Everyone, we're going to talk about keeping what's yours. Suzanne Moskowitz, thank you for joining us to have this very important discussion on the Creative Mind series. Thank you so much for having me. Well, can you just walk us a little bit through like who you are? And wait, 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 before that, everyone knows that gratitude is my secret sauce. And I just want to say thank you to Joe Solo, who introduced us because it's always neat to think how we meet people. Hi, Joe. Shout out to Joe. (laughs) Okay. So first of all, can you, so the reason why I met you is I had gotten to a place in my brand many years into it. And it was time to really take a look at it, really revere it, take care of what I would call like the linears, taking care of yeah. business and protecting intellectual property. So Joe Solo said to me, I've got the perfect person for you. And he sung your praises and he's worked with you in the music industry. So can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what your firm does? Absolutely. Well, you know, you have to start by saying I'm a lawyer, but I'm not like a traditional lawyer. I and that's why I get to be invited to the Creative Minds series. Um Yay. I work with people to protect the things that they create. Okay? So that could be a brand that they created, so that's the trademark side of things. It could be something that they've written or produced or painted or coded, and that typically falls in the area of copyright. Um But sometimes people just call me and say, I have this idea. Here's what I'm working on. I don't know how to make sure that it's mine. I don't, I also want to be careful about not stepping on someone else's toes. I want to be respectful. And through this, this type of law that I get to do, intellectual property law, I get to work with other creative minds also. And um, every day is everything, every day is different. Every day is fun. And I just love, love working in so many different industries. And how did you take us back? I like to take a back, like take us back in a time travel to maybe <laughs> pre-law or okay. maybe some of the things you did as a kid or where you grew up that maybe sure. we could look back and say, whoa, this is kind of, this is how you landed here now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think no, no, little kid thinks that they're going to be a lawyer. But one of the things I got into when I was a kid was scams. Like the idea that like, you know, like a box of cereal that says it has a prize in it. It doesn't, the prize isn't as good as it said, or, you know, somehow the commercial misleads you into thinking something's going to be super awesome and it's not. And, you know, I read, there were like, you know, magazines and shows on, like there was this show a long time ago called Fight Back. And it was all, it was really consumer advocacy. I didn't know that at the time, but I was there and I was going to fight scams. Um, oh my gosh. By the so, way, as you're saying this, yeah. I'm like traveling back and I'm like you in your kitchen. No, I'm actually <laughs> with you. I'm like seeing like the back of a cereal box, like as though we're together and yeah. almost like with you, with your hands on your hips going, oh, I wonder if it's a scam. Yeah, lots of lots of. Lot, I was really very skeptical, very skeptical child. Um, so I figured out eventually. Went to college and figured out that like there is this area of law that's about consumer protection. And in the process of like learning the stuff that might lead me to go to law school, I was also learning things about marketing and branding and public policy generally. Um, 
And uh, I knew I was going to go to law school. I wasn't still sure I was going to fight scams, <laughs> but I, I knew, well, sure. My whole life is fighting scams. Even if I don't get paid to fight scams, I still- Well, wait, though, this is actually incredibly important. <laughs> when we look back at the golden thread of like our material DNA, our soul DNA, what excites us, I think it's neat when people go back because oftentimes there is a story. Of yeah. what gets you inspired. So I love that that's been a part of your thread throughout oh, life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was lucky. You know, I went to law school in California and they, we were really on top, cutting edge for technology law and intellectual property law. So that's where I really started studying. At uh, Stanford, about, right? Yeah. Stanford yeah, Law School. Yeah, California. Um, I, I know. It was it was so fun being out there. And um, it got me, got me excited about trademark law. And really the, the origin, just not to be too academic here, but the origin of trademark law is really to fight scams. Because it's about well, is Tylenol really Tylenol? Like is you know Tylenol is a brand, right? And when you pop a pill, you're hoping and and you feel like you can trust that it is what it says it is. But there was you know problems where the people were um, you know there were there were scams where things weren't what they say they were, and that's where the the Lanham Act these laws were formed to protect consumers. Um, and so obviously there's this like close intersection between the origins of consumer protection and then the idea of getting a trademark to keep what's yours, essentially as an insurance policy for a brand that you've built. So that if somebody else comes in and they have a Dr. Denise show, for example, but it is not the same Dr. Denise show, and perhaps they are using it to... Um, push or sell something that is not aligned with you, um, you will have all these effective tools to stop people from scamming you, <laughs> essentially, and to grow your brand and to get investment and all those great things too. So that was sort of a long answer. I'm sorry. Oh, it's perfect. I love the answer. <laughs> In fact, it segues in. I just like to kind of go through the thread. I was going to ask you what some of your top, like after you graduated from law school, um, some of the different types of clients you've worked with and what the process is, if it's pretty similar or different. Can you take us through sure. the consulting process when someone realizes, hey, I have this idea, I have this brand. Maybe I think it might be neat for people to envision, like, let's say someone's a musician versus what I'm doing versus yeah. a producer, because I'm kind of blending many um, areas. Can yeah. you just walk us through that? Absolutely. And I'll tell you one of the one of the best parts about my job is that when people do call me, they're they're usually super, super happy. <laughs> like I I have the kind of work that, you know, nine times out of ten, the call's not about a dispute, but it's about it's about creation. It's about something new and wonderful. And I'm there to to talk it through. And um, you know, I know you talk to people professionally on a regular basis. Um, but, you know, in a way, like sometimes I feel that when I talk to my clients, I'm giving them a little bit of, uh, I'm a sounding board as well. Um, well wait, no, no, let's <laughs> actually, I'm going to hit pause. I really want to elevate and celebrate that because a big part of the Dr. Denise show and all the different tiers is changing the way we think, talk, and act about mental health. And I think a big part of our own mental health, if we're in a certain professional area, we have to do what I call the earth linear errands tasks to really button things up. So part of good self-care is protecting your assets, protecting your home. We have to pay our taxes. And so to me, if anyone's built an idea, a brand, a corporation, when they get to the point where they come to you, 
It's really good for your mental health. It's good for inspiration. And I will tell you, I want you to walk us through and then maybe I can let everyone know a little bit about what it was like with, for me to work with you. But I just want to really elevate and celebrate the importance of taking care of business. We need right. to I mean, protect it's what's ours. Yeah. It's about, you know, you can't fall asleep at night if your door is not locked, right? Or if you're wondering if your door is locked. So it's like that. It's just locking up what's yours. Um, so it is, it is about, about that comfort. Or sometimes someone will come to me and they're, you know, they're interested in using either using a name that might be, let's say, too close to someone else's name, or they're in, they're in a conflict where they think somebody might challenge what they're doing. And I, I, I tend to try to advise, hey, why not start start from, from zero? Do something new so that you don't have to work. So you can focus on building what you're doing. You focus on your actual job and not wondering, you know, keeping up, you don't want to be kept up at night worrying that you're going to have a problem later. So yeah, I, I really do think that, that mental well, health and wellness is a huge part of what I do. It really is because, you know, I think we're living in a time where everyone, humanity's eyes are wide open to words like stress, anti-inflammation, immune system. So part of healthy, I call it, I have a book that's my one journal that is the taking care of business journal. And we even talked about that on a show seven shows ago on what your linears are. When you get your chores done, when you call your attorney, when you get your copyright, your trademark, then you're actually securing things. And that actually exactly um, validates what you said. Then it allows the creators to create without flow interruption. Because when you have stress or anxiety, you're not in that space of intuition yeah. and flow. So by protecting your intellectual property, you can allow yourself to grow more. I think so. Okay. So let's get into some examples. <laughs> Take us on some like, what's it like to be you? Some of the different sure. people well, that first, call you. First, it's like every new call is like, it's like, an investigation that I have to do. I'm trying to figure out what's 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 really going on. What is somebody? What are they really after? Um, and sometimes, unfortunately, people have an idea, but they haven't they haven't embodied that idea in something. They want to protect. They want to keep somebody else from doing a thing that's kind of inventive, but they haven't actually done the thing yet. <laughs> so. I know that's a little bit abstract, but basically- No, 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 no. Can I, I'll give you an really, example. Sure. Um, because one of my intentionalities with all my intellectual property, because this is just organically coming up, is that within the Dr. Denise show, there's different tiers, different target audiences. And by having specific series names like the Creative Mind series, Embrace Your Neurostyle and Beyond, On Staying Sane, I began collecting an entire library of content that then was linear words, thoughts, and actions matched with artwork that actually is the foundation for then you're ready to come see someone like you. Right. Right. And and like we were talking about this too with, with different names of different programs too. They're almost like different flavors. You know, there's, there's this brand of Dr. Denise MD, and then there's these flavors of shows. And when you have these really great creative names of shows, that's something you can protect. But let's say you come to me and say, I'm interested in, in doing a podcast about mental health, but that has to do with betrayal. And I want to keep anyone else from doing something about betrayal. I'll say, we can't really protect an idea like that, right? 
And But what we can do is we can protect the name itself. And rocking a betrayal is an awesome trademark because it's so distinctive. Um, you're not saying this is a podcast about betrayal, um, just like on staying sane. You're not saying, you know, it's not called the, you know, the mental health or the sanity podcast. It's it's something that adds this creativity. So once you make it yours, you come up with something creative, a creative mark is what's protectable. A generic mark wouldn't be. Um, so it's interesting. I was thinking about, you know, we we haven't talked about protecting creative minds series, right? Um, and so let's say hypothetically you said to me, Hey, how, why don't we get a trademark on the creative mind series? I'd say, well, that one, despite the fact that it's about creative minds, it doesn't have, it's not, the title itself is not as distinctive as something like rocking a betrayal. So a more distinctive brand is going to be more easy to protect, at least at the government level. So I love that you just said that. Because when people are doing their creative minds ideas, I knew that the creative mind series, that one wasn't supposed to be as artsy as the others. And this is why mine was a shout out to the universe energetically of different people I could have on the show. And I thought the other series I have are so distinct that this would be an opportunity to meet with people like about a name like the Creative Mind series. I totally get it. It's very useful. And it's useful to be kind of descriptive about what something is. But just to take it a little step further, let's say a client comes to me and they want to be Chicago Pizza Shop. And, you know, I want to say, okay, that's great. Great name. I don't want to <laughs> offend them or anything. But from the strictly legal perspective of the United States Patent and Trademark Office, that's when I say USPTO, they they don't look kindly upon marks that include kind of generic and descriptive words, even when you combine them. So by the way, by the way, I actually have a new idea for the name of ooh. the series now. Should I say it out loud or should I say it it's off show you. and just make it's it? To you. <laughs> I got it. So I've got the on staying same. The series could be called On Staying Creative. I love it. Yes. And so, so that's what we're talking about. When we combine words in more creative ways, you get more protection. Of course, there's also the issue of the possibility that there's somebody else who actually has something that's on staying creative. Like Correct. So what so we can always you take do, everyone yeah, through the process. Yeah. Because I've done the process for everyone. <laughs> Here you go. Dun dun yes. dun. Someone and, makes and a by referral. The way, you know, when I work with clients, everything's optional. I mean, a client who comes to me does not have to do risk assessment. But here's the reason to actually do some research about who exists and who has filed before you. It is because if you file at the USPTO and you get a refusal because somebody was there first, you're not going to get a refund and you're going to lose a lot of time. So I always give clients a few options for doing a little bit of due diligence. Now, I, I have software that helps me get through all the records in a more efficient way than actually going to the free government database, which, I mean, you know, it's a good idea to get on Google, get on the USPTO website. They have this database called TESS, Trademark Search System. Anyhow, what I do <laughs> is you say to me, okay, hypothetically, on staying creative, I'll talk to you about it and I'll say, okay, is it just a podcast? Is it potentially going to be a newsletter? Are you going to put it on t-shirts? You know, we're going to talk about all the things it is because the trademark office 
puts things into classes, numerical classes. So much of what we've done together is in class 41, which is the class for both entertainment and education. So it's perfect for you. Um, And then we give some more details about what it is. So most podcasts fall into this class, but we can get hyper-technical about if it's a downloadable podcast, it's technically like downloadable software and it's in the software class. But let's just assume that, that we're talking about basically just being a podcast. So what I'll do is I'll do a search about what else is out there. Again, people who have registered, people who have applied to register, people who have tried to register and have failed, people who are just out there using it. And I'm not just looking at exact matches. I am looking at anything. The standard is this. Would a reasonable consumer think that the two companies or the two organizations or something like that the two brands themselves are somehow affiliated. So if we hypothetically file for on staying creative Mm -hmm. and there's something else out there and it's just called staying creative, well, it might be a problem. So then I have to look a little deeper. And what if they're not a podcast, but they're a blog? Well, I'm going to say those things are really closely related. And I'm going to say, Denise, maybe we should go back to the drawing board. I hate to take your money and file something and get a refusal. Well, let's say it's staying creative, but it's actually um, a company that makes lipstick and they're only filed in the class for cosmetics. Then I'm not so worried, right? So this is why you need a human being. (laughs) This is why AI is never going to do my job. Um, Well, it's going to maybe help at some point, but anyhow, um, it's... It's a case by case. We look at the mark you want to protect, the trademark, the brand, and I give you a sense of what might be some of the issues. And then we decide. And, you know, we, in the case of the marks that we filed together, I presented to you a few potential issues. Uh, we decided that the, the risk was, the risk was low enough to proceed and we filed and we filed these, um, Sometime last spring, right? And by the way, this is all public record, <laughs> so yes. you can feel free to but go it's to the good, trademark it's good office. To give look example. up my name. Look up Denise McDermott, MD. You can see all this. Um, but can we had a great, great success. Um, these these applications, um, given the fact that there's a real backlog at the trademark office right now, um, these marks uh, were were examined fairly quickly, and the turnaround time for these was was less than a year. Uh, whereas I'm seeing right now turnaround times uh, a lot, a lot slower. <laughs> um, but what happens is after you file, the examiner looks at the mark. They make their own determination if there's not another mark that's too close. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. So we filed three of them last spring of 2022. We did the Dr. Denise MD in the fall of 2021. And I just want to kind of piggyback to some of the crucial things you said when you were working with me, we came across something very interesting. Paul Mitchell has a curling iron line that's neurostyle. Right. But, but everything that I was doing was about embracing your neurostyle, which is defined as we all process and perceive things in our own unique way with a fabulous five biological psychological, social, cultural, spiritual, and sixth sense intuition. So my embrace your neurostyle and beyond, I started using the term 
even before Paul Mitchell came out with his curling iron, but, the, <laughs> but his curling iron and what I was doing was so different. But you and I had to look at the neuro style word versus mine was a concept. And I had right. already been saying, embrace your neuro style and beyond. I had shows, I had artwork. So just take us through a little bit of that because I'm sure this comes up in many different industries. Yeah. yeah and yeah, and I'm, I'm la- laughing now, but at the time, you know, we, you know, we were wondering, man, I was is worried. This- is this term so like if a term is so famous like google is so famous that even though google doesn't make a sneaker you still couldn't file for sneakers for google because it's so famous so the question is neurostyle you know is it is it a famous word is it is it a word that's actually descriptive is you know so there's a lot of interesting questions about the word neurostyle because of course you can go on google and you can find the word neurostyle but you're using it in a really like special way um so when when we did the search we saw we saw this paul mitchell by the way if if any of our listeners are from paul mitchell um you know just call me we don't, we don't want to have a fight here well wait, this <laughs> no. is actually with absolute reverence I actually think it's neat if anything did. I'm like, gosh, maybe we could do an event because I love <laughs> right. mindfulness, neuro style, and fashion. That's but I true. want to just say with reverence, my field of study being an adult and child integrative psychiatrist and the concept of perception, fundamental differences in opinions, I when I looked at it and you and I had this very elevated academic discussion and you did the search. I'm picturing you back when you were a little girl with your hands on the hips. And <laughs> what I love about the way I can say from working with you is I feel like I was meeting you for the first time in each specific um, idea I was running by you and that you're almost like an emergency room trademark protector <laughs> physician lawyer. <laughs> and you use all these languages. I'm not making language. any claims about my no, skills, but, no, but, but you but never it's know. Fun, though. It's fun yeah. for people to think about when they're about to work with you, what to expect. So yeah. you're, I'd like you to comment on the neurostyle and then we can broaden it out to um, different trademark, yeah. copyright and people you've worked with. Well, let me, let me say this. I hate telling people no. Okay. And if, if, if forget the Paul Mitchell example, if, if, if we saw neuro, embrace your neuro style and again, it wasn't a, maybe it wasn't a podcast, but maybe it was a, a or, you know, in your case, it's blogs and podcasts, but it, let's say that it was books, like written books about in, neuro styles. I'd say, you know, honestly, Denise, I have to tell you, you know, this, this might be, this might be a deal breaker here. and But I'm always trying to find a way to make it work, right? And so the way we might try to make it work is we would maybe potentially, you know, reach out to that other owner and try to make, um, to try to get an okay in advance. Um, sometimes we file it anyhow if we think there's a big problem. And if the, if the government actually says, yeah, we think it's too close, there's still an opportunity to say, to explain to the USPTO, we don't think any reasonable consumer would be confused, essentially. So there's lots of things that we can do. I'm really always looking for a way to get things registered, but I really am not comfortable filing things that I know are going to get a refusal. I mean, the government will take your money. Lots of lawyers will take your money, but that's not really how I want to, I don't want to grow my business that way. <laughs> you know, I want to well, file this, things that can protect. Okay. So now that we've gone through a lot of great content when you're out there and you're a creator and you have intellectual property, some of the take home points are 
Number one, find an intellectual property attorney that's a referral from someone that you trust that's possibly gone through the process. I can say I've gone through the process with process with you and I'm proud to do this show. So you always want to look for integrity. Your I call it the in 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 integrity. Number two, what I've heard in this show and also knowing you is that when you have an idea, you want to make it creative. You want to make it something that sticks. You really want to accomplish your mission. Number yeah. three, then it's almost like when you're when we're little kids and we learn stop, drop, and roll. Um, you have when you're doing it, you're assessing. We just are in the deep dive part of when you are doing the search engine. It was the trademark search system Mm -hmm. and looking at any other, like what categories are these competing categories? Are they different ideas? So you have to really vet. It's a whole process of going through it. So now let's keep going. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, so in a nutshell, this process, well, you know, I should also say like, you know, these are the, these are the disclaimers I have to give. And I, you're so kind. All the things you're saying are so kind. Um, I love what I do, but I do have to be careful also, uh, that this isn't legal advice, you know, that this, this, I'm just oh, yeah. speaking. This is not medical not advice. advice. Okay. Keep going. Um, and, you know, if anybody does, you know, want to reach out to me, you know, I only give legal advice if I have an engagement, but I love to talk to people and I'm always happy to do um, a courtesy call. Um, but, but what I was really going to say is it's, it's, it's a, it's a nice process going through the trademark search process because we get to also see what else is out there. You get to see maybe there's a competitor or maybe there's somebody that you could, you could actually do some, um, cooperation with. Um, so when we do these searches, it's, it's really, it's really valuable for my clients, I think. And then, knowing that there's a really good chance that you're going to be able to get the protection is a nice way of, again, kind of that, that mental health part of it, that you can go to sleep at night knowing it's okay to invest in your brand. Even And by the way, when I say brand, your brand might be a nonprofit. Your brand might be something that you don't even sell anything. So there's lots of things that can be protected. Fantastic. So can you go into, let's do a little bit of fast questions, wrap this sure. What's a trademark? And what's a copyright? Sure. So the trademark is the brand. It could be a logo. It could be a word. It could be a slogan. It's basically something that is used in connection with goods or services. And the goods and services can be psychotherapy services. <laughs> That's a medical service in class 44. It could be an entertainment service like a podcast in class 41. It could be goods like clothing in class 25. So it's got to actually be not just in the abstract, but in connection with goods or services. There are some f- what I call fancy trademarks too, things like sounds, like the NBC chimes, like doon, doon, doon. That's a trademark. Um, even sometimes some smells can be a trademark as long as they're not functional. So perfume is a functional smell because it's, you know, you're functioning to make you smell better or, or different. Um, but um, there's, for example, Peach smelling file folders is a trademark because there's no real reason why file folders should smell like peach. Um, also, I should mention a little less fancy, but still a trademark could be a color, like the color um, blue for Tiffany's uh, boxes, things like that. So that's trademark. Copyright is a really important concept too, but it has to do with content. So the actual recordings of your shows are 
automatically works of authorship, as soon as they exist in a tangible form, downloadable or otherwise, um, they are copyrighted works. But in order to protect the copyright, you take it to the U.S. Copyright Office. Now, do producers of podcasts protect every episode? Not usually. But sometimes, especially some fictionalized, serialized podcasts that are that are um, strict entertainment that maybe would one day be spun into a TV show, those types you might actually register. So the Copyright Office has a different process. They don't examine it the way a trademark office does. They don't look at if somebody else came first. Um, but it's something else that I help people with. And again, that's not just for scripts. It's for music. It's for paintings. It's for photography. It's for works of art or authorship, essentially. So what's the big difference between them? Is it still kind of vague at times? Well, sometimes there's an overlap. Like, for example, I'm working right now um, with somebody who's got a really special wine bottle. The shape is really unique. It's not functional. It's not just like it's easy to hold and easy to pour. It's got some really beautiful art on it. So that art itself, the shape of it can be a fancy trademark. Just like the shape, can you picture like a triangular container of Toblerone chocolate? Like that triangular shape is a brand too. So the shape of this wine bottle is so special that it could be a brand itself. Now, separately, it's a sculpture. It's a work of art. Any sculpture is something that could be copyrighted. Um, Mickey Mouse is a brand that sells clothing. I'm here. Sorry. Mickey Mouse is a brand that sells, oh, sorry. Disney is a, Disney owns Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is used as a brand to sell clothing, but Mickey Mouse is featured in a lot of artworks too. So that's a copyright issue and a trademark issue, but usually it's not so muddled up. Usually it's, this is a brand let's say on a package of chips, there's a word on it. That's the brand. It has nothing to do with art. It's about a word that you want to protect so that, again, consumer protection, so that people know that they can associate it with the quality and goodwill that you have established by making a quality product, a quality chip, a quality podcast, quality therapy services, et cetera. Okay. Now, so that is supposed to be to protect the customers, even though it also obviously protects the owners of the brand. Copyright is more about protecting the author and not so much about protecting the consumer. So it's a little, sorry, this is a little academic here. Um, But copyright is simply somebody stole your script, somebody stole your photo. Oh my gosh. Can I tell you, you, this is really important. This is a little part of the dramatic part that's the truth without saying names. Okay. One of the things that inspired me to actually take that next step with trademarking and copywriting is that someone wrote my ideas after working with me and my giving them back to me as they, they were pitching a show under a different name. I literally had red alerts because I'd, I've already if everyone wants to listen to season one of Rock and a Betrayal, I've already rocked a betrayal 
based on the world we live in. We're living in an 8 billion, um, you know, human being world. And these types of calls and podcasts that we're having are very important, but I've actually lived it. And so I have to tell you, I feel relieved. I feel happy knowing. And also I will say though, it is a compliment when people start using your terms (laughs) because you know, they want it and they like it. So it's a catch 22, but then I'm like, wait a second though. I have the credential. I'm the MD. I I talked about embracing your neural style at the Dalai Lama's body, mind life conference. This is not a concept or an idea that is supposed to be something in my opinion, just use without protection and reverence. So I have to say that I I kind of walk through and many people listening, whether you're um, a musician, poet, artist, brand maker, corporation, it's really important as you're going along that you also surround yourself with people that have win-win attitudes. This is separate from your, but I learned a lot about who I would want to work with and who I wouldn't. And now I have to tell you, knowing that I have Dr. Denise MD, Embrace Your Neural Style and Beyond, On Staying Sane, and Rocking a Betrayal, registered and trademarked as of December of 2022, I actually have to tell you, I feel relieved. Yeah, I'm glad you should. <laughs> um, you know, you raised a really good point about trust there, right? And and what I want to what I want to make clear is right now you've got great protection for those names. Mm-hmm. You've got protection if somebody literally takes the exact wording and spins it into something else. Okay, but if so, I'm, I'm talking about like the the words in your in your blog post, the words mm-hmm. in your written publications. Mm-hmm. But if somebody just takes the idea, that's this is this is this is where trust is more more important. Exactly. If somebody takes your idea, very very hard to actually go after because an idea itself, unless it's patentable, which is not my area of law, but it's about, you know, an idea can be an invention, but but an idea for a podcast cannot be protected. But but the actual, let's say you write out a script, you write out, um, you know, some kind of booklet about where, where it's going to go and somebody copies that booklet. But if somebody just takes that idea there's not much the law can do, unfortunately. And that's why, you know, I always, when people come to me with talking about protecting kind of a, a package of brands and content, one of the important things we talk about is surrounding yourself with people you can trust. Yes, you can use contracts, and that's that's a matter of state law. Different states allow different things in terms of non-competes, and that might be changing too. Um, but working with people you can trust might be the most important lesson of all. Well, well, so this is actually very important. And I'm going to look at the list of other things we wanted to make sure we covered in this show is that when you're doing that, everyone give people opportunities to have their words, thoughts, and actions match up consistently. And I tend to, one of my biggest flaws, which I feel like I've graduated up going into 2022 and 2023 (laughs) is I've given people too many chances because I always see the best in people. So you have to also know your own unique neuro style. Some people will give someone one chance and then they're done. And now that I'm in this playing field, you know, seven years into the brand, I've been approached to do bigger projects, but I've decided to really um, create and produce on my own and do it the long haul way. It's because I've attracted different people who did not 
have the level of integrity I would want to work with. The people I'm working with now and the people that you see me get so excited, oh my mm -hmm. goodness, it's like years of excitement. So I think everyone, if you're out there and you've ever been um, overly trusting, um, give yourself a break, but then just learn, level up. Yeah. It's okay to have a tighter inner circle. And that's one of my biggest um, intentions. You know, people talk about New Year's resolutions. Mine were just do everything I did in 2022, but be even more precise and more full of integrity in who I hang out with and who you do business with and also how you lead your personal life. Yeah. Okay. So now let's go back. Did we, it's like, can I trademark my name? What makes a good trademark? What's wrong with boring names? Do you think we've covered all that? Or do you want to just do like a little kind of? Well, I mean, we can, I can still answer the question about my name, your name itself. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, because, you know, let's, you know, let's say I have, you know, a lot of people in the service industries, they, their personal names, they're not sure that they could, a name can be a brand too. Like, so you may just want to ask me and be like, so can a name, like, can a name be a brand? Well, Canada, well, the trademark, I mean, I did get Dr. Denise MD trademarked. Right. So, but you didn't get Denise McDermott trademarked. So maybe, Correct. maybe just no. again, if you're editing this here, you could just ask. No, 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 just... we don't have to. No, <laughs> no, Dr. Denise is all about adaptive versus restrictive perfectionism. Uh -huh. no. no. So the bottom line is you just, why don't you just wrap up some top highlights you would want everyone to know? Okay, great. Well, Highlights of intellectual property law, there are so many. Uh, well, I think that we covered it nicely that it's important who you work with, <laughs> that you trust them, and that they care. Um, and and I've just been so fortunate that I work with people in so many great industries. And I think what a lot of my clients have in common is that they, they're really there to help people. And I also have the great fortune of if if somebody comes to me and let's say they're working on something that maybe I don't think really helps people, <laughs> I have the I'm lucky that I I'm in the privileged position that I don't have to work with every type of business in the world. Um but being realistic about what you want to protect, making a plan that prioritizes your most important brands and still includes some, you know, maybe less important categories um, that you're still going to use is, is really, is really vital for growth. Not overdoing it upfront is going to be your key to being able to protect your new brands as you develop them in the future. I love this. I feel like we'll do a part two in the, in the next four to six weeks in the sense that once you have your established trademark, copyright, and then as anyone's brand's growing, I feel like there's like almost like a masterclass part two of this. Of <laughs> there's questions. so much to say. There's, there's, no, because it's also in layers. So the thing that I loved about working with you is you did ask me the right questions. We did vet and then now we know I've got these trademarks there, but I have so much content. And you even said to me, we can do another call about copyright. We know you might do this with clothing now. 2023 is going to be a big year. I'm also, I was just thinking, this is for everyone. If you have your brand and then you're going to collaborate on like merchandise with another brand, I automatically, it's almost like you have me trained 
Suzanne? I'm like, okay, do they have their title trademarked or copyrighted? We might need to do a search because what if their, their name of their company, they didn't do that. And then I start working with them and then they get into trouble and then they sue Mm -hmm. our brands. I just started thinking of that. Like due diligence is important. I mean, especially, you know, certainly for a license and or a partnership, but you know, let's say you want to acquire a brand. It's really important to know what you're getting. Absolutely. So can you just go through the linear process of what is the process to register and like working with you? Sure. Um, So you have a courtesy call where we kind of talk about what what might work for you if this really is a trademark issue. Uh, And then I follow up with an email. I'll give you kind of a written summary of your options. And we do an engagement letter because I can't do any legal work without that. And then I do, typically, I'll do the searching, see who else is out there. Also, I'll, even if it's tough news to deliver, I'll tell you if there's a problem. If if I find it, by the way, if I find a problem within like a few minutes of searching, I'm not going to actually do the whole search. Like there's no reason to charge my client for work that's pointless. So lots of times I stop and I send an email or I call and I say, hey, hold up, there's a big problem here. Um, and it, it's hard to deliver that news, but I do sometimes. But let's say we're, you know, we're in a good position where the risk seems reasonable. Then we spend some time kind of hammering out what the description should be, if it should be in multiple classes, if there's one class that's better than another. And then we, you know, through email, we agree on exactly what's in the trademark. I put it all together, <laughs> I submit it, and then we wait. And that's the hard part. Um, and be, <laughs> Denise, you got lucky because we filed one first and then the other the one, three. The other one took longer, the first the, one, the Doctrine sure. Shandy. But, but what the happened other was three they were like fast tracked. Right. What happened was because they, they the examiner picked them up and they saw that they were yours too, we got the fastest, fastest service on those, which is great. But typically, right now, we hear nothing for about eight or nine months, which is such, such, such a frustrating thing. <laughs> but um, they they say they're getting faster. So let's say we what we hear from the examiner is that this looks good, but we need a little more, you know, can you explain a little bit more about what neurostyle means? Or there might be a question. There might be some clarification. And if that clarification can be just done by phone or a quick email, then we can just move it forward really quickly and efficiently. If the issue is they say, well, actually, it turns out that we think this is too close to Paul Mitchell um, curling irons, then we stop and we look at the situation and we have to do a written response called an office response to office action. Um, it's a bummer when that happens and it takes a little more time, uh, but it's something that I don't surprise clients with that. We talk about it. At any point in the process, a client can say, well, I don't want to do this anymore. Or I've changed my mind. It's not my brand anymore. It happens sometimes. Um, but all that said, let's say it sails through like yours did. Then there's something called the 30-day public opposition window. And what oh, that is, I didn't know about this. Yeah, it happened. It happened. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and what it was was the government, the USPTO said, yes, we approve all four of these marks. But then they open it up to the public, anybody who's paying attention, and they say, does anybody else object? Now, they don't reach out. They didn't, they wouldn't send a message to Paul Mitchell. 
Okay. That's not how the US system works. In some other countries, it's different. And I, by the way, I do trademarks in other countries too, using lawyers in other countries. But that aside, during this 30 day window, there could be somebody that objects. And by the way, I've been that person that objects because for my clients that have brands, one of the things that we do is regular monitoring of new filers. Now, this is a whole other thing we can talk about. Wow. <laughs> but it's keeping track. And, you know, there are clients who, you know, some do, some don't opt into this additional service that my firm offers. And that's really the keep what's yours service. Um, although it's all it's all keep what's yours, the legal service we have this service called keep, which it really has to do with after you file, keeping track of who else is filing things that are similar. So in your case, four applications went through, nobody objected to any of them. But I would say maybe 15% of the marks that I file will get some kind of inquiry from somebody else. Oh, wow. Um, some, of the time, some of the time, all they do is call, reach out. They make sure that they that you're doing your thing, they're doing their thing. It's not going to be an issue. But sometimes they actually say, I oppose this mark. I don't care that the USPTO didn't think it was too close to my mark. I am Paul Mitchell, for example, <laughs> and I object to this because we think we own the word neurostyle and no one else can use it. And then it's like a proceeding that starts to look a little bit like litigation. Mostly they settle. They do not always settle. I'm involved in plenty that look like litigation right now. It happens. But again, didn't happen for you. So um, after that 30-day window, which ends up really being more like 90 days because it takes some time before they open the window and then there's some administrative time after. But sometime after that initial approval by the examiner, three to four months usually, you get your registration certificate in hand. <laughs> since the time that, Denise, since the time you and I started, they uh, they used to give you a free certificate. <laughs> and anyone who files from now has to pay for their certificates, which is a real bummer. Um, they're really just trying to move to an electronic-only system. But yeah. it is nice to have that paper certificate with a gold seal on it, you know? Um, well, I so, love that. Yeah. And then, and then nothing happens until between the fifth and the sixth year, it's the first, it's not technically a renewal, but it's a statement of continued use. And as long as you file that, as long as you're actually still using it, you can't file it if you're not still using it. Mm -hmm. And then after that, between at every 10 year mark, so between year nine and year 10, year 19 and year 20, there is an actual renewal, but you can have a trademark forever. Copyrights you can't have forever. Eventually they expire. It takes a long time, but eventually they expire. Trademarks you can have forever. So that's kind of cool too. Wow. Okay. Well, I am so appreciative. I thought you've you've educated so much today, but then also off show. So I just want to say thank you for your time. And can you let everyone know a little bit about um, the structure of your firm and some new announcements and also how sure. people can find you? Thank you. Thank you. Well, I uh, started my firm in 2010. I had worked um, at a larger Midwest uh, firm. I learned a lot. I liked it a lot. Um, but I wanted more flexibility and I wanted to be an entrepreneur too. Um, so that's, you know, we're in my 13th year now of, of practice on my own. And I've worked with paralegals and assistants. And this year for the first time, I'm bringing on a partner whose focus is really on 
disputes. Like I said, remember I said most people who call me are happy? Yes. Um, and that's still true. But I've worked with people for a long time now. And sometimes, even when you're super happy, when you're super successful, there's copycats and things come up and yes. there's challenges. And it's great to bring on a partner who's really focused on those kinds of challenges. Um, so that's that's an exciting new part of my firm. But I, you know, I'm fortunate that I can work when it comes to trademark and copyright. Those are national practices, meaning I can help anyone in any state. And I, of course, have clients um, like lawyers in other countries that I help with their clients helping them in the United States. Um, so it's a lot of fun. It's uh, What I do is mo mostly virtual, but I do travel a lot to see clients. A lot of my clients are in the natural products and natural food space. So one of my next trips I'm really excited for is a big conference in Anaheim where a lot of those brands get together. Oh, um, wow. But pre-COVID, I, yeah, I was in New York and LA a lot um, just to set up time because it's you know, it's great to do things virtually and I'm so thankful for it, but there's nothing better than actually sitting down, having a cup of coffee and proving I'm a human being. So I try to do that as often <laughs> as I can. So oh, uh, I'll give I you the that. heads up when I'm coming through town, I promise. Oh, I would love that. I would love to meet you. Well, I really appreciate your time, your expertise. And I feel like it's it's kind of exciting. I'm like, I was like, oh my gosh, you need to be on the Creative Mind series. So thank you. And um, happy new year. Um, can everyone get your email or how they can find you? Sure, sure. So it's themoskowitzfirm.com. And Moskowitz, um, I assume it will be in the show notes, how yes. to spell it. <laughs> but um, it's M-O-S-K-O-W-I-T-Z. I also have a shorter URL that you can use. Keep, like keep what's yours. Keep TM, like keep trademarks. So K-E-E-P-T-M.com. That also gets you to my firm. So you can you can try that too. Um, I love that. Yeah. Thank well, you so I'm much. I'm going to ask you permission. Am I allowed to put in quotes, keep what's yours? Your name. And then, okay, perfect. See, sure. keep, So by the way, the Moskowitz firm is a registered trademark and keep is a registered trademark. So even a simple word like keep, I own it now, but I don't own it for everything. I own it for certain um, legal services. So oh, keep cool. is a trademark and the Moskowitz firm is. Nice. Okay. See, these are important questions to ask everyone. Okay. Thank you everyone. Happy new year and make sure Happy to protect, protect so your intellectual property. I feel so much so better. Nice. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Have a great Thank day. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye.